Hello, everyone. Welcome Hello. to episode 24 of the Lacrosse Word podcast. Uh, today here with us, we have Brother Nick Leyland. How are you doing today, Brother Leyland? I'm doing great. Thanks. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so getting right into our questions, what motivates and inspires you? Why do you get up in the morning? Um, well, I one of the things that really inspires me is learning. Uh, I love to learn. I love to discover new things. Um, I, I enjoy sort of traditional education, you know, going to school, but uh, I'm not in school right now. I, I enjoy just uh, discovering things about the world, researching things. Um, I enjoy learning about hobbies I've never done before. Uh, so learning is, is one of my big motivations. Um, also, family and friends, you know, I, I get up sometimes because I have to, because I need to go to work and I need to make some money and I need to feed myself and I need to take care of my kids and help the family. And, and that's another big motivator. Uh, probably the other thing as I... I love nature. So I love being indoors. I do, but I love, <laughs> I love nature. I love seeing nature. Um, I love the different seasons. I really enjoy being here in Wisconsin. I, uh, I have a, when I drive to work, which is now less often with the COVID than it used to be, but, um, when I drive to work, I often say my morning prayers on the on the way uh, because I'm not. <laughs> that's when I have time to do them, um, and I have a decent commute up to Black River Falls. And so many times I've said in my prayers, "Thank you for this beautiful place in which I live." And it doesn't matter what the season is, if it's winter or summer, I find them all quite beautiful here. So I'm. That's a big drive for me is is just seeing what the day holds seeing the green of the trees or the white of the snow or the the water sure awesome thank you uh in your life how have you confirmed the teachings and doctrine of the church well um in general i'd say gradually that would be my my basic answer um i've I've confirmed them by living them, by trying to live live the commandments, trying to live the gospel. And I think that mo my most profound experiences or my most the, the most profound anchors to my testimony have come from just living the gospel and then seeing what happens, seeing the results. Um, for example, um, you know, my testimony of tithing, uh, you know, as a kid, I paid tithing because that's what I was told to do. And I never really had a problem with that. But as an adult, I've, my testimony of tithing has grown as I've seen blessings come in that are associated with me paying my tithing. Things, things changing as I become even more, let's say, dedicated or intentional about paying my tithing. Uh, one of the biggest anchors to my testimony was an experience I had in the MTC. 
uh, I went, you know, I went on a, mi- on a mission, you know, not accidentally, but <laughs> I, I probably wasn't as intentional as some people, you know, it's kind of just always what was expected, always what I would do. Um, and I had a testimony, I certainly did, but it was, it was a small testimony, we'll say. And uh, just being in the MTC and talking with, uh, uh, one evening I was talking with some of my, well, my companion and some of my other roommates, district mates, whatever. Um, and just talking about, you know, how do you know the gospel is true? And I remember just saying very simply that, you know, I just know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And when I said that, I had this powerful confirmation come over me. So it was, it was interestingly that that when I was testifying or when I when I've been living the gospel, that's when the the confirmations, if you will, have have come to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's an awesome uh, testimony. I think that's a, there's some really good values in that. Uh, so thank you. Uh, genealogy is important in the church. What do you know about your name and family history? Well, my name Leyland is a, uh, an English name. It's often in England spelled L E Y, um, rather than L A Y. And so many people here spell it L E Y. Uh, which is kind of strange to me because I don't think many people know that many Leylands, but for some reason L-E-Y is how they choose to spell it. Um, but it's an English name. Um, my uh, father's line, if you go up through the, fa- the fathers and grandfathers, uh, the male side of that line, they're, um, they were from Pittsburgh. Um, like my great grandfather, I believe, never left Allegheny County in his entire life. That's the county where Pittsburgh is, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, but if you go back far enough, they, we came from England. Um, about half of my ancestry is, I guess, from the British Isles, England, Scotland, Ireland. Um, and then my grandmother, my father's mother, was Czech. Uh, she came, she was born here in America, but her parents came from uh, what was Czechoslovakia. And uh, so her parents spoke Czech and she learned a little bit of Czech as a kid, but she's grew up in America. Um, and then my the other sort of non-English uh, part of me is my my mother's father. Uh, his parents came from Sweden, and they actually settled in northern Wisconsin in a town of Washburn. It's near Bayfield in Bayfield County, uh, which is about four four hours uh, north of us here. Um, and so there's, there's that Swedish portion of me, um, but mixed in with that, there's, uh, 
part of that Swedish heritage, my my great great grandmother was um, Sami, which many people probably don't know what Sami is. That's the indigenous people of of uh, Scandinavia. So just like the Native Americans here, there were uh, Native people um, in Scandinavia, and they lived primarily in the northern parts. They were reindeer herders. So um, if you've uh, if you've seen Frozen, um, the beginning of uh, there's a a song near the beginning where it doesn't have any words. It's just like da 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 hey na hey na na hoa something like that. Yep. Right? Are you familiar with <laughs> yeah, that one? Yeah, I I do. Yep, I know that. <laughs> so that kind of singing is called it's called a yoic. It's a the traditional song of the Sami people, um, and uh, so yeah, that's that's a part of my ancestry. I'm I'm kind of interested in that portion. I love the cold, so I I feel like that's sort of a dominant part of my personality. That that little bit of of my ancestry. <laughs> I really. <laughs> The last thing I would have expected is for someone when talking about their genealogy to reference Frozen and then go into song. Um, so that is probably the most unique um, and one of the most interesting genealogical <laughs> explanations. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, what is one thing that you, you would say is unique about you? Uh, one thing that's unique about me, actually, it probably relates to what we were just talking about. I, uh, I sort of, I feel like my life has a soundtrack. So what I mean by that is almost anything that happens, anything that I'm talking about, my mind sort of goes to song. So if someone mentions a phrase or a word or something it'll tie back to a song usually like usually some kind of popular music song you know a rock song uh, you know a classic rock song even rap country i i like music uh greatly so but so many things people will say and then i'll just notice that i'm singing a song in my head maybe out loud but usually just sort of in my head songs um appear and when I think about when I think about times in my life you know um, <laughs> I often have kind of songs that are associated with different periods of my life songs or bands or things and uh, so I, I think that's fairly unique I haven't heard anyone say that about themselves but I'm sure people do have music that uh, you know has been part of their life Sure. I think um, right now, after you said that, now in my life is playing in my head. So, I mean, that's probably one of the more positive songs that I could get in my head, but, you know, so. Beatles? In <laughs> yeah, my life. Beatles, of yeah. course, in my life, yes. <laughs> I think about, like, uh, maybe, like, three and four songs I mentioned are probably about the Beatles. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. fun fact of trivia about me, but... <laughs> 
Well, there, um, there are a few better bands to be oh, thinking about. So. Uh, uh, maybe not. I don't. I I would beg to differ, but I'll let you have this one. Um, <laughs> so if we're going on to our uh, rapid fire segment, uh, if you could serve a mission anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, undoubtedly Russia. I am enamored with Russia. I don't know why. I don't necessarily have any Russian ancestry, although I'm still scouring, trying to find my <laughs> Russian ties. Sure. Um, I love the Russian language. I've started learning some Russian. Um, just a little bit. But I would love, I would just love to go there. I'm, it, it, it seems like an interesting country. It's so huge. It's so diverse. Um, and I find the kind of the, they're isolated from the rest of the world very much and that they're sort of tucked up there into the, uh, the north, uh, the north of Asia and Europe there. So, um, and it's cold as stated, I love the cold. Um, and just, I think they have a very interesting history. Um, you know, the, their history of getting into communism and coming out of communism. And um, I think there would be a lot of opportunities to, to help there and to um, share the blessings that I've experienced. Sure. Um, but, you know, if you say in a podcast, you speak Russian, I mean, we got to hear something now. I feel like that's your obligation. So if you can give us like one word or anything, that yeah. would be awesome. Um, Sam Heisey, my druk. That means Sam Heisey's my friend. Ah, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, do you have a favorite word that is, it can be in any language if you want. Oh. So. <laughs> That's good because I do have a favorite word, and it's a Russian word, and it's the word "slouchy." Um, my kids, whenever I say this word, Erica and my kids always laugh. They think it sounds hilarious, and uh, I like it too. I don't know. I, I I love doing as much as I enjoy Russia. I really enjoy doing a Russian accent. I'm not great at it, but I, I do it sort of to annoy Erica and to entertain the kids. Um, and it seems to work on both accounts, I think. Um, well, that seems like you're knocking out two birds with one stone if you get to do both at the same time, right? Yes, so. <laughs> yes. I'm all about efficiency. Yeah, so sluchi <laughs> means case, uh, like just in case. Um, so anytime the kids... Anytime we're saying something that says that has the word case in English, my kids will substitute slouchy. So, <laughs> and of um, course, I always have to enunciate it kind of obnoxiously like that. But sure. That's part of the fun. <laughs> uh, what's a place you've been that you would recommend to others? Oh, there are quite a few places I've been. Um, one. One place we went just this summer that I would recommend, and it's attainable probably for many people here, 
is we went to the Upper Peninsula and we went to uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and we near Marquette, there's a, uh, a place called the Black Rocks. I'm not sure if it's Black Rock State Park or what it is exactly, um, but it's this area of rocks. Um, it's beautiful. And we went in uh, either last week of July or beginning of August, something like that. Um, and it's right on Lake Superior and the water is, is still quite cold, but it's probably about as warm as it's going to get, you know, around that time. Um, and right off these rocks, you can climb down on, on these rocks and they, they form this very jagged cliff. Um, now I say cliff, it's probably about 15 feet high, the cliff, wow. but um, you can climb down and there's all kinds of little coves and alcoves. And if you can tolerate the pretty cold water, swimming into these coves and find it, we found frogs, the kids and I, and we, uh, Erica put her feet in. She wasn't going <laughs> to get in the, the water that cold, but um but we just had a blast swimming around there and there's uh, woods and trails for hiking. And uh, I think that was a great place to go. We really enjoyed that. And it's probably what, only about six hours away from here, maybe <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good one. I got to see photos from that vacation and it did seem pretty beautiful. I don't know if we're talking about the same place, but I saw some photos and they looked pretty great and they were on some water. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we also went to uh, the, what is it? The Lake Huron side of Michigan then, sure. um, it, which wasn't too much farther. And we, uh, we had a lot of fun there too. So if anyone's interested in going, you know, let me or Erica know, we can tell you where we went and what we enjoyed. So it was fun. Sure. Uh, in order, what cities have you lived in? Ooh, let me see if I can do this. Um, I was born in Pittsburgh. I lived in Pittsburgh until my, my entire life, until I went to college, where I lived at BYU, uh, the city being Provo. Um, for a year, I, I came back to Pittsburgh before I left on my mission. Um, I went back to the MTC in Provo before going on my mission to Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, on my mission, I lived in four cities, Ludwigshafen, um, Bad no, Ludwigshafen, then I went to Obertshausen, which is just a little sort of a suburb of Frankfurt, went to Bad Homburg, which had, I was in the ward with the um, Frankfurt Temple, which was pretty cool. And then I went to Karlsruhe, Germany. Um, after that, I returned back to Pittsburgh and then went back to BYU. Uh, 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 not too long time after that, I was married or preparing to be married. So I, we, I went and I lived for the summer in Maryland near the D.C. Temple. Um, Kensington is where I lived. Back to Provo. Back to, um, after graduation, 
moved to Pittsburgh for a year, then moved shortly back to Provo again before going to uh, Kensington again, Kensington, Maryland. Um, we lived in, technically it was Wheaton, Maryland. We lived there for about five years. That's where we had the, our three oldest kids, uh, Austin, Sydney, and Caden, right? Yeah, Caden was born there, yeah. Um, and that's where I went to law school. Then we moved to Iowa, uh, where I was doing some graduate work. We were in Iowa for three years, um, Ames, Iowa, where Iowa State is. That's where Evie was born. Then we went to uh, New Mexico, where I worked as a assistant district attorney for a couple of years in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Um, then we moved to Trempolo, Wisconsin, techno, a short stop off in Whitehall for a few months living with Deanna and Jeff Matthews. Um, then we moved to Oklahoma for a year. That was the midlife crisis year. Uh -huh. um, and then finally back here to Holman, where we have lived now for about five years. Awesome. So a lot of places. You didn't think that was, you didn't think that was going to take 10 minutes, huh? No, <laughs> I, I didn't know it could, it, there would be so many stops between Pittsburgh and Provo and then Pittsburgh and then Provo. <laughs> so at the end, it seems you got a bit of variety there, but German too, that seems like fun. So place in Germany, can you tell us a bit about your mission? Yeah, I, um, I loved my mission. And everyone will say it was the people often say it was the best two years of my life. I'm glad to say that it was not the best two years of my life. I've had much better years since then. Um, I enjoyed being on my mission. It was very challenging. We did not, we weren't able to do a lot of teaching. Uh, we did a lot of talking with people. Uh, I loved the German people. Uh, I have a, I didn't mention this in my genealogy, but there's a, a small part of me that's German, but it's a, you know, fairly distant branch, you know, but, um, so I, I love the German people. I, I think I'm very similar in a lot of ways to the German people, but they are not that excited about being, about talking about religion. Um, Bad Homburg, where the temple was, the, the city I mentioned I lived in where the temple was, that's the richest city per capita um, in Germany. It was a beautiful place to be, but um, as the scriptures can indicate, a lot of times having a lot of wealth doesn't prepare us super well for hearing the gospel if we haven't already heard it, right? It's uh that can be, uh, people, people can be very happy with their lives and uh, not feel that God is something that they're lacking. Um, so it was, it was a challenging mission, but I love the members there. I love the people I met. Uh, I love the German language. I still keep up with it. Um, and I definitely don't regret going. Um, but yeah, I will say, for those of you who say the mission is the best few years of your life, I hope you have 
better years ahead, more exciting <laughs> years. Sure. I, hope life, I hope life for all of us gets better and better as the years <laughs> Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, what's a time when you've laughed really hard? A time when I've laughed really hard? Yes. Well, I have laughed really hard a lot of times. I am, a lot of times I just laugh for no reason. And I, um, and it'll go on for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind, um, there's a movie, I'm not recommending it. Let me just put that out there. It's, it's, a, it's a movie called Just Go With It. Um, I'm not recommending it. It's PG-13. You should, I think you should be at least 18 before you see it. That's <laughs> my guess. But uh, there's a scene in there where a guy is pretending to be a sheep salesman. Okay. He's an online sheep salesman. And then while he's on, while he's in this character pretending, he comes, he goes to a restaurant like this rural restaurant where they have a sheep outside and the sheep is choking on something. And they say, is anyone in here a vet? My sheep's sick. And so this guy has to go out and try to uh, resuscitate this sheep. It's, it's hilarious. I just lost it. Um, when I saw it for the first time, it's, it's hilarious. So, um, yeah, that's a time I've laughed really hard. Sure. Uh, what's your favorite activity to do in the lacrosse area? In the lacrosse area? Um, or I guess Holman, Holman would count. Yeah. In this case too. Um, well, the, uh, my answer might have been different a year ago or so, but now I'd say thinking about like a an activity outside my home, I'm assuming. Um, I, I really enjoy, I've enjoyed fishing. It's something I did as a, as a teenager quite a bit. And then left, you know, haven't, hadn't done much for probably a couple of decades, but this year I've gotten back into it and I really enjoy that. I really enjoy being out on the water. I, just in, I enjoy fishing even when I'm not catching anything. It's more fun when you catch something, but that's probably my favorite like out, outdoor lacrosse area activity. Now, Brother Leyland, this of course would be dock fishing, right? No, 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 Sam. As as uh, <laughs> as you may be aware, I I uh, actually have a boat. <laughs> I don't know if you want to discuss this boat at this <laughs> present time, but um, yeah, we, we recently acquired a boat and that is that has led in large part to my experience of fishing. <laughs> That's good. I think we'll wait, but I wanted to egg people on a bit, just get them, get the tension built up. So <laughs> Yeah, like an internal teaser trailer, right? Something like that. Exactly, right? <laughs> Uh, what's a positive childhood memory that you have? Um, I have a lot of them. I had a, I had a fairly happy childhood. Um, 
one of my favorite things was going on walks with my family. We had a park that was, and now as an adult, it, it was remarkably close to our house, but it seemed far <laughs> as a kid when I had to walk there. But we, would we had this path that wound sort of through the forest that was across the street from where we lived. And we'd walk on this path and, and there were um, parts of the path that might be eroded or, you know, little landmarks and things. And we would tell stories about, you know, about what was happening in this part of the path or whatever. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed those times walking to the park, then playing at the park, and then we'd walk home. Um, and we, we did that many, many times, and it, it's one of my favorite memories. Sure. It must have been pretty hard in your childhood, though, to be a Steelers fan, right? I mean... Well, to be fair, when I was a kid, I couldn't have cared less about <laughs> football. Oh. I mean, I was probably the only one in the city of Pittsburgh who didn't care, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I wasn't too interested. It wasn't until I went to college and I had a roommate who was actively rooting. My, my freshman first semester roommate was rooting against the Steelers that I sort of, my defense mechanism kicked in and I've been a Steelers fan ever since. <laughs> That's like really when it kicks in, just like when you need to when you feel the need to defend your own home territory. So <laughs> that's <Yeah>. respectable. <laughs> uh, what is your go-to seat in the chapel? Uh, what, usually, assuming we're there early enough and it works out, we sit in the what's now the first available row um, right in front of the pulpit there. Um as a as a spectator orientation that were to the left of the large pew um we're on the large pew but to the left the very first one technically the second row okay yeah i i'd like how you mentioned if we get there early enough because we have been finding a shortage of pews right now in our ward and it's just strange feel like we have so many people now and the pews are filling up like 10 minutes before church starts so i don't know <laughs> yeah i'm i'm shocked at how many new people we have how many people i don't recognize and i welcome new people i just wish they'd come with their own pew sure <laughs> yeah that that would be nice I feel like I might have a bit of power, though. I can, like, assert myself and be like, well, I feel like I get a pew because I'm the Lord podcaster. Or I could just go on strike and say, yeah. I want a pew or I'm not going to do a podcast next week. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Maybe it's, like a res it's like a reserved parking spot. You just need to ask <laughs> if you can put up a, a plaque, you know, this bench reserved for the Lord podcast. <laughs> I'll just, I'll nail it. I can, we can always have it there and I'll just nail it to like the pew, the side of the pew. I think that's a solid option there. <laughs> I think so. Uh, if you could start a business, what would you sell? Um, if, I, so the, this is a bit of a caveat. If I, if I could sell anything, I would sell records. However, 
I don't know that that's so much a viable business anymore as it used to be, you know, uh, record CDs, people don't go to acquire music physically nearly as, as, as much as they did before, but that would be my, my pick. Either that, either that or rare books, I should say, I would enjoy books as well, but even books, bookstores are a bit of a dying industry as well, I think. Yeah. So you've invested in dying industries then. That's like where your jam is. In well, in my in my fantasy. Oh sure. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't developed a business plan for either of those avenues. But sure. since you asked, that's what I would sell. Sure. So records. I think I would go to a record place. It's hard to find records nowadays. I think we have yeah. like two places in our area. So if you ever do start a business, please tell me so I can come be your first customer. All right, I will. <laughs> uh, would you rather live urban or rural? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I grew up as urban as you can get, pretty much. You know, I was right in the city of Pittsburgh. I was five minutes from downtown. Um, so I love that. I love... And that was a big source of pride for me with my, most of my friends were from the suburbs. And I would always say, well, you, yeah, you guys, I don't know if you could hang in the city, you know, like I can. Um, so I love city living, but I've become increasingly more rural minded. So right now we have a, we have a house. It's not a huge house by any means for our, for our four kids um, and big dog. It's, uh, it's probably fairly small, but we have a nice big yard and I love the outdoors. I've come to cherish the, you know, as part of what I said, the nature of the outdoors. So we have a, a nice sizable yard and I don't find that you get those nearly as easily in the city. So I guess I, I, I might cheat and say, I'd like to live in a rural kind of town that's pretty close to the city which you know this is probably about the best of of that compromise that i could do living in holman we lived in trempolo for a while where we had a bigger yard but we had an extra 10 minutes of commute to get anywhere um which i didn't mind but erica wasn't a huge fan of so uh yeah i'd say we, I will always live close to a city, um, at least lacrosse size probably, but um, I prefer a more rural neighborhood. Sure. Uh, if you start in a movie, what genre would it be? Oh, a comedy. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, well... I'm not saying it would be a good movie or a good comedy, but the fact is that I believe that I am extremely funny. Um, as I tell my kids and my wife and they know, I love to hear myself talk. Um, in fact, someone asked me, my wife asked me for my birthday the other day, who was my favorite person in the room? <laughs> 
trying to tr- trying to uh, sort of fishing for a little compliment for herself, I, I, I guess. But I said, my favorite person in the room, obviously me. I'm my favorite person. Sure. No, so I'm, uh, I just, I think I'm very funny. I know that my jokes fall flat, you know, good 50 or more percent of the time, but I, uh, it would have to be a comedy. Sure. Um, is this going to be like a thing now? Or are you going to ask people or are you going to be like, well, do you want to listen to my podcast again? Do you want to listen to, to my recording? <laughs> just listen to it on repeat for yeah. loop. <laughs> Sure. Well, at least until I mean, at least until the next one comes out, you know, this this week, people can probably get three or four good listens in of this one. Sure. Uh, If you had to live in one decade forever, what decade would you choose? Um, Probably. Probably the 80s but maybe the seventies. Um, you know, I guess if it's my, if I'm picking the decade, I might choose between 75 and 85. I realize it's not a traditional <laughs> decade, but it's 10 years, right? It's, yeah. um, so I, I love the simplicity of the pre-internet period. I am on the internet all the time. I love the internet but there's something, you know, I have my historical nostalgic, I romanticized that period before the internet. You know, when someone said, hey, have you heard about this band? And you would say, no, I haven't because there's no way to hear about a band unless someone tells you. You can't go Google them and look at their webpage, you know, things passing by word of mouth. Um, now, and again, that was the era of the record store. So I think that that would be a great time. You know, I was alive during most of the, the 75 period. So, um, so yeah, that would, that would be a good time to live. I think. Sure. Um, Gas shortages too. There were lots of gas, you know, who wouldn't want to live through gas shortages again? Sure. Uh, so you talked a bit about like your musicality, uh, and I know the answer to this, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, can remember from our Moon Tunes. But could you tell us about uh, the musical instruments that you play or have played? So I played as a kid. I was had to take piano lessons, and I resisted as much as it sounds like I would, um, but I. I can bang out a, a simple hymn or two, but I'm, I'm not an accomplished pianist. Um, I, in elementary school, I began playing the clarinet, played that through middle school, and then I switched to the saxophone, which for those of you who know anything about either of those instruments, they're very similar. So um, at least in, you know, in play style, reeded instruments, um, so I, yeah, I played the saxophone in high school, and then I also play the uh, I play the guitar in in high school. I just we had a guitar at home. I picked it up, began playing around. Again, I'm not some amazing guitarist, but I enjoy playing. 
Um, I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, whenever I play the guitar, unlike the other instruments, when I play the guitar, I go off into this trance state. So um, my friends in high school, um, they would hate when I picked up the guitar. They're like, uh-oh, Nixon is, he's got his guitar face on. And uh, Erica says the same thing because I will, people will talk to me and I'll hear what they're saying, but I cannot bring myself to respond because I'm playing the guitar and it drives everyone else nuts, but it's just how it is with the guitar. I love it. So, um, yeah, I, and I especially love just playing the guitar for me. I love, you know, I enjoyed performing at Moon Tunes, um, but that's kind of nerve wracking for me. I really enjoy just playing for myself. Sure. So, and I did play in a band in high school. Playing in a band, I think, is a lot more fun than playing by yourself, like performing by yourself, because you're just one of a mix of a bunch of people. You're kind of compensating for each other, and and that was a lot of fun. Can we get a band's name on that? What, what did you call yourself? Oh yeah, the my the uh, my my high school band was called the the Hardy Mums. Hardy Mums. The name came from. We were driving by a nursery, you know, a plant nursery one day, and it said uh, it said they had for sale hardy mums, and that's just where the name came from. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we played a few gigs, you know, nothing fancy, but we enjoyed it. Sure. Uh, do you have any fun traditions? Fun traditions? I am nothing but fun traditions. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so many things I do have traditions associated with them. Um, Christmas is, when you say tradition, I think a lot about Christmas. Um, we have tons of Christmas traditions. Like we have, we always get pajamas on the night before Christmas because Erica, her family, they used to open presents the night before Christmas, which to me is some kind of of uh, heresy, you know, and that's that's just not acceptable. So, but we open these uh, our pajamas before Christmas, um, Christmas Eve. Um, we put up lights every year shortly after Thanksgiving. Um, probably a lot of our traditions have to do with, uh, with holidays. We tend to have bacon wrapped shrimp for Thanksgiving. That's a great tradition. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can think of any non-holiday related traditions right now, although I'm sure there are quite a few. Sure. Uh, Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. That's right. Uh, if you could speak one language, what would it be? Well, well, other than the languages, I right now I speak English and German and very, very poor Spanish. Um, probably Russian, since that's what I'm trying to learn. Um, although, to be fair, if I could just magically speak it, 
I would love to learn Japanese. But I actually started learning a little bit of the, um, you know, their writing system and their alphabets and things. And I decided that it was not in the cards for me. It's a little too difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, pro I started too late in life if I really wanted to master Japanese. Plus that I don't know many Japanese people. Um, so there's the opportunities for speaking aren't plentiful. So, um, but the, if I could magically learn one Japanese would be one I'm, I'd be excited about. Sure. Uh, spicy or mild food? Uh, mild. I can eat spicy food. I'm not like the strongest spicy food person, but I can eat it. But whenever something is spicy, I usually go, I would enjoy this so much more if it didn't hurt my mouth. <laughs> so I like the flavor of spicy food. I just don't understand the, the pain element. Sure. So. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, cereal? Favorite cereal? Favorite cereal, yes. Um, yeah, probably, probably Fruity Pebbles. Although I will say they recently changed the formula somehow. Oh, no. And I actually have a better experience with the knockoff brand fruity dino bites you know so, not affiliated no nothing like fruity pebbles <laughs> no, they're just dino bites. but sure. they're just slightly sweeter slightly sugarier you know i don't th th they're a little better how Never dare they I'd change their formula you know <laughs> what how dare they change their formula That's i not, know like they can't mess around with that stuff they have an audience there it's not like this is a new cereal, right? It's been around exactly. for decades. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite dessert? Favorite dessert? Uh, creme brulee. Ooh. I love a good creme brulee. And uh, I make flan, and I very much like flan, but creme brulee, it's a little tougher and tougher to make. But it's creamier, and I, I love it. But sure, yeah, that, do, you have a, do you have a favorite place that you get creme brulee from? No, I I don't often get it. Actually, um, I mean it's kind of fancy. I don't tend to go to many restaurants that would offer creme brulee. I mean I, I've had it just here and there over the years. Um, when I worked at a, I did a summer at a big law firm um, when I was in law school. And they like, it's one of those places where they wine and dine you and get you to sign up. And then your life is miserable for 10 years or so. Um, and, but I had a creme brulee a whole bunch that summer. <laughs> they took us to fancy restaurants. I love that. Awesome. Um, if you had to recommend any icebreaker question, what would it be? Um, I thought about this. You did give me a little clue that this was coming. Um, I, I think my question would be, 
if you could wake up tomorrow in any city in the world, where would you wake up? Or anywhere. It doesn't even have to be a city. Sure, that's a good one. Um, uh, so now I thought this next question was amazing and totally uh, coincidental that it happened. This wasn't even purposeful. The question that we have last week from Brother Grover, I think, uh, is what's your favorite board game? Um, which is amazing. But his specific thing is like, what's your favorite uncommon board game? Uh, so something people probably haven't heard of. And he said specifically no Monopoly. But I would never accuse you of having such yes. an answer. No, I would not say Monopoly. My favorite uncommon board game um, again, that's a little tough because I love board games. My favorite would have to be Mage Knight. Um, probably almost no one listening or maybe no one listening has heard of this game. Uh, it's a game where you, I play it solo. So just alone. I don't play against other people. It's sort of like a video game you're playing against the board game. And you have this little character and you go out and you wander across this map exploring areas and then you go and fight other knights and wizards and conquer cities and fight dragons and you acquire these cards that you use and spells and it's super complicated. Takes, I'm, I'm slow at board games. But it takes me like five or six hours to like play. But it's just a crunchy, delightful, mind-breaking experience. Sure. A, a crunchy board game? <laughs> yeah. So that's a word. They use that a lot of in... I don't know. We haven't discussed this much yet. But I'm a board game nerd. And that's one of the adjectives that they use a lot of time a, a board game is crunchy meaning meaning it's it's sort of puzzly or there's deep strategy so you can imagine the gears in your head kind of grinding or crunching you know brain crunching is kind of what they mean um just just meaning there's a lot of you're trying to wrap your mind around the game system sure yeah okay well, while we're on topic, we're going to transfer to our personalized segment. Uh, those are all the questions. That, uh, so, I mean, people who probably know Nick Leyland know he loves board games, like you said, right? Um, so I don't know if you like purposely collect uh, board games, but this is something that you've gotten really into. So can you just start? Uh, by telling us a bit about like how you got into board games and, and starting to get more and more of them and build up your collection. Sure. So I, I played board games a lot as a kid. Um, my dad probably got me into board games. We played things like Stratego, which uh, most people have heard of Stratego. I think that's been in print for probably longer than I've been alive. Um, Stratego, we played this thing called Caroms, which is probably only some of the older people will know what that is, but it's like a 
maybe a three or four foot square board that's like a in the in the corners it has like pool pockets and it came with these little wooden discs and it actually came with little baby pool sticks so you could play like a game of pool with these wooden discs trying to hit them into the thing into the pockets it came with like a kind of shuffleboard type of thing um so i loved playing that with him when i was a kid oh, i loved the, the carom board um i played risk a lot as a kid and i loved the competition of games so when i was when i was probably up until i was 25 or 30 i was super competitive about board games not that i was always the best me mind you but i had to win you know it was important to me to win um so with that history i like many other people who are probably around my age um in the late 90s early 2000s i discovered settlers of Catan or Catan, as it's called now um and I must have played that game a hundred or two hundred times um, with friends. Everyone seemed to love it. It was just this new evolution of board games. You know, I grew up playing Monopoly. I loved Monopoly. I've I've played Monopoly probably a hundred times, um, but that was sort of the the dinosaur prehistoric age of board games. You have very little choice, right? You just roll a die. You move to where the die tells you. And you probably either buy the thing or don't buy the thing based on some plan you already had, right? Um, but these new board games gave you so many options, so many decisions. Like with Settlers, you have a, again, it's not the most complicated game at all, but you have this map that made up of several hexagonal tiles. And you just put out a couple cities put out a couple roads and then you can build wherever you want. And when the dice roll, then the, the various areas produce goods. You get cards for these goods and you trade them and you build new things. And it was just this fascinating engine building experience. And there was, you know, there was a little bit of fighting for over places, you know, jockeying for position. Um, but it was, so enjoyable and uh i love the discovery of a new board game where i love the discovery of a new even just with settlers a new map you know when you lay out the tiles and you see oh this area over here is really good but this one's good too what strategy could i use and so i began to care less about winning and i began to care much more about the experience of like seeing some, seeing whatever the board game setup is and how can I, how can I maneuver this? How can I manipulate these pieces? What can I do to make things happen? Um, and while I love Settlers, there are many games that I love. I, I've also, you know, become a little bit obsessed probably with, uh, experiencing new games, seeing new systems, seeing how other people set things up. 
So a lot of my board game collecting, I don't really collect them in the sense that like, oh, I have to have this or I just won't be able to sleep. I need this fifth piece of something or, I, you know, it's not like collecting like figurines or something where or coins where you feel like you just need them to have them. I enjoy having them to play them. And if I'm not playing them, I'll typically sell them or try to get them played. Um, so yeah, that's, it's that just that experience of seeing sort of a new world through the eyes of a board game. Sure. Well, that's fun. Uh, so out of all your board games, uh, what board games would you say like come out the most? Come out the most. Like what? So, yeah. Interestingly enough, I'd say the ones that, that get played the most are not necessarily the ones that are my absolute favorites. So the part of that is that um, Erica also grew up playing games, but I'd say she grew up playing much more simple games like cards and phase 10, you know, those kinds of games, which I also enjoy. So when I play games with her or with the kids, they tend to prefer simpler games. So those are just by default the ones that come out more often. Um, again, Settlers has come out a lot and still does come out. Um, we play, there, there's a game I really enjoy and I would recommend to anyone of any age called Karuba. Um, it's a, you could really, if you're six or seven, you could probably uh, do fine at this game. Uh, it's a game where there's a, a very simple square or rectangular map with like just a, a grid of a square grid of like 10 by eight squares and you draw tiles and you place them on this grid and then you move people. You have four people who are on one, one half of the board and they're trying to move to the other half of the board. Um, and you're laying these tiles and moving the people. And the setup is, is different each time as in terms of where the people start and where their destinations they're trying to go. Um, but it's, it's a super simple game. You just draw a tile. Like say if I'm the, the tile drawer person, I'll draw a tile and it'll be say number 26. There are 36 tiles total. Number 26. So everyone else finds 26 and puts it on their board. And by the end, everyone has a different map. We're all trying to get to the same places on our own maps. Um, but the way we do it will look very different. That's one that comes out a lot. I highly recommend Karuba to families. Um, what else do we play a lot? I'm turning to look. Uh, Wingspan is a, is a somewhat more complicated game, but that my kids really enjoy my daughters especially it's a game about birds uh you're trying to sort of recruit birds to come live in your little habitat and the artwork is beautiful it's based on real birds not pretend birds you know so it, there are like 100 or 200 different species represented and they each do something a little different. They produce eggs and they catch fish and, 
you know, it's a, it's a simple, but a, a really fun game. Uh, so wingspan is a big one. We also play just simple games like classic games like Scrabble. There's a game called Quirkle, which some people, Sam, do you know Quirkle? I do not know Quirkle. Quirkle is a very simple, um, it just, you have six shapes, like diamonds, circles, you know, a trap, six, a clover, six different shapes. And then each of those shapes comes in six different colors. And each turn, you just put a tile out that has one of these shapes and colors on it. And when you, there are rules for how you place the tiles. And when you place it out, you score for however long the line is that you connect it to. But you can't repeat. Um, The line has to either be uh, all the same shape but different colors or all the same color, but different shapes. So it's, you know, again, it, it takes a minute to teach it and it's a lot of fun. Eric and I have played that many, many times together. Uh, I'll give you one more cause I don't want to go on forever. Sure. This one is uh, called patchwork. This is a two player only game but I highly recommend it. It's a quilting game, although you don't have to appreciate quilting to appreciate the game. Um, All you do is you, each person has a nine by nine board and there is a, a, you set up this row of, or this ring of, of pieces that are like, imagine Tetris pieces, you know, like, four or five squares put together in different ways, like a Tetris piece, right? Um, Some might be jagged, some might be just a square, some might be a line. And you, you go around and you can pick each turn from three pieces and you pick the piece and you put it on your, on your quilt and you're trying to fill up your quilt. Um, But the pieces also award you buttons based on how many buttons are on the, that particular piece that you put on your quilt. Super simple, a lot of fun. I love it. We've, we've played it, Eric and I, probably 50 times easy. Only takes 20, 25 minutes. It's a great one. Sure. Um, so at this point, this is a pretty unique question, uh, or I guess, I don't know, maybe it's sort of like a challenge. So I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. Um, sorry. And uh, you just have to talk about card sleeves because uh, I know this is something you're very passionate about. Um, and I just want to set aside three minutes solely to card sleeves. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yep. Three, two, one, and start. Okay. Uh, so card sleeves, for those who don't know what they are, they are plastic, usually clear, at least partially clear, um, card protectors. So for those of you who have gone to the temple, you may have taken your temple recommend. And a lot of times at the temple, they will give you this little clear plastic thing to put over your temple recommend. That is basically a card sleeve, except a card sleeve only has one open end. You slide a card into it and it protects the card. Um, quick, sto- quick story, when I 
first played Settlers, my sister, my dear sister Ellen, was playing with us and she spilled a huge cup of water all over all the pieces of the Settlers game, Settlers of Catan. The same game I still have and it stunk for 25 years um, because of the water that got on it, which probably started my love of card sleeves. So card sleeves, you put them on to protect the cards. So if I ever wanted to sell the game or get rid of it or pass it on, the cards are in pristine condition because each one of them is sleeved. One of my favorite, absolute favorite things about um, getting a new game is sleeving the cards. I love buying the card sleeves. I love putting the, the cards in the sleeves. I love organizing the cards. But for me, a big part of board gaming is just the loving of the pieces and the the care for them. Um, and, you know, I, I end up selling a lot of games as they don't get played and having card sleeves on them uh, is a big benefit. Card sleeves, I realize I'm getting down to about a minute. Card sleeves are come in various sizes and thicknesses. Um, I have all sizes and thicknesses, all kinds um, in a little box, remnants downstairs. Um, but generally I want them to be close to a hundred microns thick. Um, again, that's more information than probably anyone wants to know, but I like them a little thicker so that the cards have the card sleeves themselves almost have a little structure to them. They're not floppy like a baggie, you know, like a Ziploc baggie. You want them a little firm. And I love the feel of card sleeves. I love shuffling with card sleeves. And I love the fact that I can go to a game I may have played 20 times and the cards aren't marked or bent. There's a game Sam likes. I know Sam likes this game called Dominion. Oh, yes. Where you have coins that are used in every game. And those coins can start to show wear. But if you have card sleeves, they will not. And then my time is up. <laughs> oh, right See? on the spot. Did you start a timer too? No, I just looked at the time of the recording and gave myself three minutes. Oh, sure. <laughs> that's probably that's probably smarter than <laughs> what I did, but hit it right on the mark. Well, you needed to do that to stop me from going on, because I could go <laughs> on for hours. <laughs> I, I was telling people, uh, I said, I mean, when I was making plans for this podcast, we could have set aside an entire hour just to talk about card sleeves um, and your passion for card sleeves and what brands you use and... <laughs> your process of card sleeving. So well, when you run out, when you run out of uh, ward members, we'll come back to cards. <laughs> and we'll just do an episode on card sleeves. Cause I think that'll just attract so many views. People want to come and hear your opinions on card sleeving. So incidentally, <laughs> I just have to mention we're filming or recording now in between sessions of general conference and sure. general conference. I usually try to have a new game with a lot of cards and then during general conference i sit at a table and sleep the cards while i listen to the to the prophet so nothing like sleeping cards while president nelson talks to you <laughs> transcendent experience <laughs> do you do you have a game set aside for today yeah well, yeah i already finished it there's been oh. conference is long you know, <laughs> I've had four sessions already, so sure. I, I can't buy that many games. <laughs> <laughs> what What was your game this year or this this uh, session? It's a game called Street Masters. It's like 
if you imagine the old school sort of beat em up game video games like Double Dragon or so almost like a Street Fighter, sure. you know, you have various, you're like one of these characters trying to save the innocent people and beat up the thug who's come onto the board with his little henchman. <laughs> sure. So, a lot of cards in that, so took me a while. Okay, um, so previously in this episode, we egged people on a bit. We gave them this teaser trailer for your boat. And, um, I mean, this is really just a fantastic renovation project um, and, and what you've done. So can you just tell us a bit about the renovation refurbishing process of your boat, like the entire beginning process and how you got to where you are? Sure. So I'll skip the part where I convinced Erica to get a boat. Um, that would that would be another whole recording in another. <laughs> but, um, I can tell you she's happy that we have a boat, and she's been on board the whole way since we got it. So we found I like I was wanting to get back into fishing. Um, there are dock places to fish, but I I love fishing from a boat. My neighbor took me out uh, last year, and I had a lot of fun. And I was like, well, can I get a boat? Well, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have a ton of money. We don't have like boat dollars sitting around. Um, so I looked and we managed to find an old hideous boat. Uh, it was a 14 foot aluminum boat with a trailer and it came with a motor um, for under a thousand dollars. And that was something we thought we could manage. So we went and we bought this boat from Minnesota, brought it back, and it was, it needed a lot of work. I mean, it, it was actually fairly solid in that it floated. It didn't need really a lot of structural things, but it had just some wood plank seats that were rotted out. Um, it had... You know, the paint, it, it, they said it was camo, but it really looked like cow camo. It had like a Holstein pattern of like tan and then these like brown black spots. It was really weird looking. Um, the trailer was all rusted. So what we did is we basically ripped out all the stuff that all the seats that didn't, that, that were rotted. I don't even know if I could have sat in those seats. They were so rotted. They were just like a particle board which for those of you who don't know is like lame plywood, you know, plywood made of gluing little pieces of wood together. So they were rotted. We took them out. Um, we sanded down the entire, um, the entire boat. There were a number of holes in it that weren't below the waterline, but they were higher up that they had used to anchor things for their duck blind, I guess. So I, I had to fill all these holes with rivets um, I mean, I could have filled them different ways, but using rivets was the, the, the more solid way. So I had to put a bunch of rivets in the boat. Um, after it was all sanded and prepped, we painted it. We did a, a primer coat and inside and outside. And then we painted the outside a Ford blue is what it's called, kind of a rich blue. And the inside is just kind of a gray color. We built some, we built some pretty innovative seats. 
so I, I'm patting myself on the back here, but we uh, <laughs> we just made seats that were, we replaced the plank seats that were just three two by fours next to each other. We put some glossy finish on them to make them nice, but the boat had also had some chairs in it that were, I mean, they had been sitting out in the yard, so they were old and beat up, but they were some, uh, some swivel chairs. So I put, I, I built some, a, uh, for each of the four swivel chairs, I built a wooden frame that sort of goes over the, these long plank seats. And then I put a, a kind of bench clamp, two bench clamps on each seat. So I because I wasn't sure how many people would be in the boat at different times, um, four is about the maximum that I can have, but sometimes it might just be me. Um, and I might not want four seats in there. So with these clamps, I can just clamp a seat in, I can shift it left to right, I can take it out anytime I want. So I was pretty proud of that uh, little thing. Turned out the engine didn't work. After trying to rehab this engine, we just could not get it going. So um, we ended up, I had to buy a new engine. That was a sad day. But fortunately, again, we got a, a, a steal of a deal on an on a engine from down in Genoa, Wisconsin. Some guy off Craigslist. And then we had a, a neighbor friend who does engine repair, and he helped us kind of tune it up but the engine runs wonderfully. Um, Erica was a bit, the, the kids all helped throughout this process. Um, and Erica was a huge help. She did all the painting. I am not a painter. Um, but after all that we had, um, it, I think we got the boat maybe in June, I wanna say, and it probably took a good month and a half two months before it was ready to go for real. But um, it was the beginning of August when we finally got out in the boat and it's just been a lot of fun. Um, I've gone fishing myself probably at least 10 times, if not a little more. Um, I've actually gone with your dad a couple times. I may have even gone with you once, Sam, <laughs> if I sure. remember that, <laughs> yep. uh, with you and Caden and Patrick. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. And it's, it, it ended up, unfortunately, it ended up being a little more money than I wanted it to be, you know, with all the paint and all that stuff. It adds up. But it was surprisingly, you know, I had imagined boats being like, I think new, like if you want a fancy new bass boat, it's probably like 20000 or more from what I've seen. And I didn't have anywhere near that amount, you know, that I could afford. So to be, and, you know, my boat is not as fancy as the, as the bass boats, not not even remotely. Um, but, but I love it. I even built a little rod holder to hold my fishing rods out of some PVC pipe. Um and it's been it's been just a, a real blast. I've gone out with all my kids at different times and uh, gone out fishing just me and Erica and like I say, Sam, you and uh, and your dad have been. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Sure. And uh, I uh, the most shocking thing is that Erica was 
happy the whole way. <laughs> she she, uh, she agreed because she saw that it could be a family project and a family activity. She was supportive of it. So it, and it's turned out to be great. Pretty much all my kids have enjoyed fishing, which is, is somewhat shocking to me, but. <laughs> sure. Um, what have you enjoyed most about owning a boat? What you say? Um, I like just being out on the water. So I like fishing. That was the purpose, right? To go fishing. You can, you can the motor is way too small to pull a skier. I probably couldn't even ski a, a chipmunk behind this boat, but, um, but I just love being out on the water. I love being, you know, I grew up, Pittsburgh has three rivers. Um, we grew up camping and hiking around streams and things like that. And I've always loved the experience of being in the water or around on the water. And that's been the best is just, you know, we live in Holman. We can get down to Bryce Prairie, get out on the, on the water. You know, I could say I want to go boating and I could be in my boat in half an hour. And that's, that's been a lot of fun to just be able to go out and be with nature, you know, so that, that's my favorite thing about it. Sure. And spending uh, well, time with, and sorry, and spending time with people on the boat, you know, you, yourself included. It's been fun to to be with people in that um, in that environment. Sure. Uh, I have one last question. Have you yet tried card sleeving on a boat? I feel like that would bring you a lot of joy, and you'd be missing um, out on said opportunity. <laughs> I. I I don't know that my body could handle the excitement <laughs> of those two activities simultaneously. So I may have to, I may, I may have to at least make sure there's someone there to resuscitate me, you know, when I try that. Sure. Bring, bring, bring a medical professional along just in case. Yeah. I, well, we have plenty of those in the ward. Or <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much. Those are all the questions that I have today. Uh, thank thanks a lot sam i enjoyed participating yeah thank you very much uh and thank you to everyone at home for tuning in to today's episode and we'll see you next week